I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I'm so excited about this week's episode of Beauty Bosses because we have an amazing guest. Um, today I'm here with Barbara Close, the CEO and founder of Naturopathica. So Barbara is a wellness guru and this is a beauty and wellness uh, company that's really done amazingly. So welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. And good for you for pronouncing the name of the company correctly. Oh that's yeah. <laughs> I know. There's a little like a an art to the T and the CH sound. Well, it's like naturopathic medicine. So yeah. basically our brand embodies the principles of naturopathic medicine. So when you think of that word, then the A rolls off of it. It's naturopathica. Oh, well, you say it even better. So I like <laughs> I like where we're going with that. Um, well, I wanted to start by having you just tell people a little bit about naturopathica. Well, we're a beauty and lifestyle brand. Uh, we started the company in 1995 with our first healing arts center in East Hampton, New York. And our, we've since uh, branched out to our second healing arts center here in Manhattan in Chelsea. And we have a line of uh, holistic skincare products and herbal remedies that we primarily distribute to spas around the country. So about 450 spa doors, as well as our healing arts center, as well as our online business as well. And in terms of those kind of three buckets, the healing arts center, centers, the spa-related products, and then um, the uh, the direct business, the direct yeah. the direct to consumer yeah. online business. Um, how do those balance? Like, what percentage of those occupy your mental space and your you know, your business space. Well, all of them. As an entrepreneur, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah, occupy 100, 100% of still, my mental space all the time. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you know, we are uh, first and foremost a brand about um, holistic health, and mm-hmm. we embody that at our own healing arts center. When you walk into our healing arts center, you walk into an herbal apothecary where you learn about herbal medicine and aromatherapy and herbal tinctures, as well as our services such as massage and facials. And then we extend that knowledge base to our partner spots around the country. So many times people find us because they walk into a canyon ranch or they walk into a Mohawk mountain house and that's how they discover our products. That's really neat. And do you have a high rate of retention of people who come across your brand we in do. some of these organic spa we settings? We have an extremely loyal following. And I, I think that is that unlike department store setting or Sephora, when you go in and you experience treatment and you have a professional advisor like an esthetician or a dermatologist talk to you about your skin health, there's more of a connection and knowledge base there that's transferred. Would you say that your primary clients and customers are spas or private individuals? They're both. They're both. I mean, you know, we also, our marketing team does a phenomenal job with networking with influentials and, you know, direct-to-consumer as well. So we use our own Healing Arts Center as uh, a place where people can come in and see demonstrations and take take part in different events we're having on anything from, you know, it could be dry winter dry skin and six quick tips to fix it, or it could be learning about how to make your own face oil or how to make a, a skin tea that's good for calming down inflammation in the skin. 
Very cool. Um, okay, I want to go back to the early origins of you and your story. You mean when, when I came down when from you, the mountain with all those ideas? Exactly. So when you were in school, did you have any idea that you'd end up here where you are right now? Absolutely none. I am the last person that thought we'd get in the skincare business. What did you study when you were in school? Political science. Really? <laughs> and, uh, and how did you get into but the, the politics? But the beauty world can be very political. That's true, actually. Right? I sort of think that this is a pro tip for any of the young people who are listening Everything is kind of political science once you get into the adult world, right? right? Yes. All the dynamics between negotiating people, workplace, you know, yeah. things yeah. and yeah. yeah. But but to answer your question, I got interested in this because I had a very eccentric aunt who lived in France. And she didn't take any over-the-counter medicine. She loved to visit spas and take part in the healing waters. And we would go down and visit her little herboristry shop, and they would show you how to use a calendula cream to treat dry skin or how to take a valerian tea to help you sleep. And that whole aspect of nurturing yourself with natural therapies was really the inspiration for my brain. And was that when you were little, little, or like a like teenager? 14, or? 15, yeah. Huh. I mean, I was like, wow, let's let's go over there and experience that. So uh, I then, you know, came back and, you know, was a poli-sci major in college and started doing... And where did you go to school? I went to Williams College. Oh, And nice. I stayed in the area and did social work up there and was so stressed out dealing with that, I started getting massage as a way to deal with my stress, and then I ended up moving on to the natural the natural sciences. Okay, and so you got massages as a way to deal with stress, and during this time were you thinking to yourself, these products are not doing it for me, I can do this better? Well, what happened was I ended up moving to Santa Fe, going to massage school, okay. and also studying herbal medicine. And after I finished that school, my mother got sick with lung cancer, so I moved back to Virginia, which is where I grew up. And during that experience of seeing how allopathic medicine deals with um, you know, something life-threatening like a cancer, it really gave me a chance to employ all those skills and to show people how you can use certain herbs to help with nausea or with radiation burns or some of these other, other imbalances that people experience. And so then I, I opened up my Healing Arts Center in 95, and when I first opened it, Laura, it was really an herbal apothecary. I had about 60 different tinctures and herbal teas, and it was about a year after I opened that I thought, what's happening in the world of natural skincare? So that's how I then got my aesthetics license and got interested in natural skincare products. How interesting. Sorry, I literally backed into the equation. Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> reverse is the right direction. Um, wait, I want to talk a little bit more about your mom's struggle with lung cancer and how allopathic medicine helped you, because I think this is so interesting. You know, as you guys know, I'm a plastic surgeon, and so my bias is um, toward the hard sciences and I like you know studies and I like retinoids and I like the sort of medical grade stuff um, but I do think and I've always noticed that one way that traditional healthcare falls short is sometimes in making people feel like a person and there are all these studies that say that you know the scent of lavender or ginger in your tea or um, you know a, a little squirt of lemon can uh, can have all of these yeah. healing benefits, whether it's soothing a sore throat or reducing nausea or improving calmness before yeah. or after surgery. So how did holistic um, interventions impact your mom's care? You know, it's interesting for a long time, and actually still today, many people call it alternative health. 
Yeah, that's the I term, really, that's the buzzword, right? Yeah, I really, you know, really get charged about that because I think, listen, I think in terms of acute care in this country, I think hands down, we've got the best medical system there is. But we also know that many of those modalities or those pharmaceuticals can be hydrogenic, right? They cause imbalances that were unintended. And I think in that way, learning about complementary medicine and seeing it in that light, what are, you know, something as simple as chamomile tea actually has great clinicals behind it and really helping for digestive imbalances and calming the central nervous system. So it's finding the best of both of these systems and making them work hand in hand that I really think is the future of medicine. Yeah. And we're starting to see that more now. I've never understood why traditional medicine and alternative or complementary medicine are always in a war with each other. It's but you like, know what, I, I would that's say the political to you science. Yeah. that herbal medicine yeah. is the people's medicine. That's traditional medicine. Yeah. I mean, the AMA and the rise of the sulfur drugs in the beginning of the 20th century was really the birth of modern medicine. You know, that, that was not traditional medicine. Yeah. We think of it now as that being traditional medicine, but it really isn't. Yeah, I think part of the issue is that I've always encountered this um, kind of tremendous dichotomy where it, wherein there's almost a social pressure to feel like you have to believe every one of the tenets of like an organic and traditional philosophy or you have to be totally science-based. Yeah. But, I mean, the truth is somewhere in between and truly, I. You know, I think that you can absolutely get a flu shot and, you know, see a doctor if you um, need a surgery. If I'm and, having a heart attack, can, I'm going to the hospital. Right, you're not <laughs> going to be using, like, ginger Ricky. supplements. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, in with even within a hospital setting, you know, some of these things like essential oils or yeah. um, scents or whatever can help people. Yeah, absolutely. They engage the healing processes. And we still don't understand how that works. If yeah. you read the New York Times this past Sunday, there was a fascinating article about the placebo effect. Yeah. You know, and it's very interesting. You know, there is a healing response that happens there. And, and that in and of itself is something that we need to acknowledge. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Okay, so you decided to get your um, esthetician license yes. in order to delve more fully into yeah. skincare, and then what happened after that? What happened after that is I started creating products. Because okay. <laughs> I started looking at, you know, back then it was sort of, you know, who is the natural skincare then? It was Dr. Hauschka, and I think Aveda had just come onto the scene, but there wasn't a lot of clean skincare. And so we created our own line and, you know, it very quickly got picked up by Sephora and rolled out from there. You know, I think a lot of being an entrepreneur is, is, is skill and it's also timing and a little bit of luck. And I opened our first door out in the Hamptons on Long Island and in my first week I had Martha Stewart wander in and write us up in the magazine and different, you know, people from the world of Manhattan that, yeah, so the, the line very quickly was recognized and, and grew attention. The original influencers. It was the beginner's <laughs> luck. <laughs> in my day, you could just stroll into a buyer's office at a department store and, you know, pitch your brand and get in. It was crazy. Yeah. Not well, you, you also so like, anymore. yeah, and you could read a print magazine and you could pick up a telephone and call yes, someone. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. So interesting how rapidly that's all uh -huh. changed. Uh -huh. um, so did you, when you say that you started making skincare, are we talking like at your kitchen table or did you contract manufacturer or did you go, did you find a laboratory or how did yeah. you actually get from A to Z? Yeah, well it, 
over a period of time. So when I started out, I made them myself. So it was things like face oils and bath and body oils and those types of things. And then I wanted to, you know, very quickly, because I'm a big believer in science, it was like, well, okay, these are things that are good for uh, skin maintenance and nourishing the skin, but I want to get things that are more active in the skin. I wanted enzymes and peels and, and things that were going to be more active. So I started working with different contract manufacturers and educating myself more about actives and skincare. So we started out with a range maybe of 12 SKUs. Um, today the brand is up at 45 SKUs. Um, so it's grown over you know, a period of time as we've expanded the range and the capability of the products. And are you still selling at Sephora and kind of um, we're not. To, yeah. We're not. So, you know, you asked me to share some of, some of the foibles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I found pretty quickly is that department stores were run by villains and bandits. And I say that very affectionately. It'd be, you, some of the nicest <laughs> villains and bandits that we know, just for whoever's listening. They teach you lessons, don't they? <laughs> um, you know, you'd be expecting a check for $40,000 and you get a check for about half that amount because they had charged you back or they'd advertised, you know. I mean, you just learn all of these things. So quite quickly, I realized I had no idea how to scale my business. And so I, I sort of regrouped at that point and looked at, hey, you know, we are a spa. We had our own healing arts center. Let's focus on that knowledge base and sell to other spas where we can really share our expertise in protocol writing and effective products and really educate the consumer. So that's how we then focused on spa distribution. So we do have retail doors now. We're at Full Lane and, and we sell with Goop and you know a few online partners, but it's primarily through spa distribution. That's interesting. And do you feel like that's allowed you to be more true to yourself? I do. Yeah, I do. I love, I'm passionate about wellness education. So I visit our spa partners a lot. I do trainings. I'm very engaged in working one-on-one -on -one with the consumer. And I thrive on really, you know, still working with people one-on-one -on -one so that you really are, you know, seeing firsthand what's going on and, and learning from that. If someone listening has no idea about anything in this world and no idea what we're talking anything? about, um, well, no idea about you know the, um, the natural space of beauty. What are the kind of your three top beginner level tips for someone who's interested in exploring natural or organic skincare? Like your three favorite ingredients, or your three places to start, or just three basic well, tips I mean, for a beginner. I call our philosophy holistic skincare. So our first premise is do no harm. So we use mine too. Great, yeah. um, right? Using ingredients that work in harmony with the skin and in harmony with the environment, right, is is a big part of that. I'm also a believer in treating the individual. So one thing that's going to work on you know one person's skin may not work in the others, and you really have to dial into what that is. And the third is, you know, beauty rooted in wellness. I don't think we can treat the skin just topically. You know, the skin is the largest organ. It interacts with all the other organs in the body. So we're looking at stress. We're looking at, you know, nutrition. We're looking at, you know, hormone fluctuations, how all of that give rise to certain skin conditions is all part of holistic skincare. Okay, that's interesting. Um, when, when you started to go from your original Hamptons location and your 14 SKUs and build the brand upward, what were your next big pivotal steps? Oh, wow. 
Well, I mean, you know, being an entrepreneur is so funny. I can clearly remember sitting down with my board member and her showing me one of these it was a remedy kit that I had just gotten into Sephora and she promptly pointed out to me that I was making no money with this kit you know it was like I had no idea if I would cost a product and really was not ready to distribute products so you know one of the pivotal things that you know you learn early on is that it's okay to take risks and you sure as hell are gonna fail at times and that's okay because that's how you learn right test and learn test and learn so there were a lot of early experiences like that where you know you try something and it's like oh right okay uh, so whether it was trying different markets or or um you know following different trends you know if you're getting too late on a trend then your product's going to come to market and probably not be you know widely distributed because that was yesterday's news what are the next kind of big trends that you foresee coming up in beauty? Well, everybody's talking about the skin microbiome, which, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it needs a lot more research. You know, where the science isn't there yet, but everybody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of buzz there, but I feel, still think we're a long ways from really understanding all the bacteria on the skin and what bacteria we want to introduce to the skin. Um, but I think there is a future in technology in terms of DNA and how we look at skin types and, and, and you know, I know there are a lot of companies that are really moving forward to explore that. I think those are two really interesting trends. So what do you think of some of the super basics of like science and kind of traditional medicine um, approaches towards skincare? Like for example, retinols. Like basically every dermatologist and plastic surgeon feels that retinols are and, and so skin. do I. Yeah. So, so uh, let me be clear because you yeah. said, you know, natural skincare. Naturopathic is not all natural. So, you know, our, our philosophy is using ingredients that work in harmony with the skin. Mm -hmm. And as you know, as a doctor, sometimes ingredients work by acting as a catalyst. You know, wound repair is an important aspect of dermatology because it stimulates collagen, right? So we use retinols, we use alpha hydroxy acids, we use you know a variety of actives, but we put them in what we call clean base materials. So our a driving philosophy of the brand is calming down inflammation in the skin, because as you know, inflammation is the primary dr driver of premature aging of the skin. So I use my expertise as an herbalist to use a lot of things like oats and aloe and things that are calming to the skin and then also use, you know, actives that have good clinicals behind them for acting as a catalyst. Do your customers use like a certain number of products in your line? For example, does the average naturopathic user um, have their th two favorites or three favorites or, you know, 42 favorites? Or, you know, who, who's your <laughs> I'm looking for that customer? 42 favorite <laughs> customer. Listen, you know, I, I am a lazy person when it comes to skincare. Yeah. I, I think in general the body knows what it's doing. It's a very capable mechanism of self-regulating and the skin is no different. So I keep my skincare routine pretty simple. What do you and, do? Um, I cleanse at night. I'll use a retinol at night. Um, in the morning I don't cleanse with my skin type and I'll use a serum and I'll use a, a moisturizer on top of that or sunblock moisturizer or one of the above. 
And, and that's pretty much it. Um, during the weekday, I also have an exfoliation regimen that I might do two or three times a week, whether it's an AHA or an enzyme um, or retinol. So I try and keep it simple. So I think the average consumer that is introduced to naturopathic or we're very much a destination for people with sensitive skin. Okay. So a lot of people come and they're interested. We have an oat facial polish that people love that calms the skin or a calendula cream that are both two of our best sellers and that's usually an entry point that people come into our brand. And um, how big is the brand right now? How would you quantify the size of the brand? It's gigantic. <laughs> Enormous. <laughs> as far as the eye can see. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, the brand, we're in our 23rd year right now, okay. and in the last couple of years, we've really got tremendous momentum, which is so exciting, um, not only with the spa partners that we work with, but also joining forces with, you know, Fulane um, is a big, exciting entryway to the brand for us, so we're really scaling and growing. Um, it used to be that the spa channel was our primary point of distribution, but now our e-commerce is almost equal to our spa distribution in terms of dollars. So it's an exciting time as we see customers be able to pivot and shop in different ways. And can you tell us or disclose like, you know, how the brand is doing like from a dollar standpoint? I don't really want to, okay. but it's doing, it's doing <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I have to ask, you know, because people are really interested in how a brand grows and how it scales. Do you have um, numbers that may be more well, easy to share, I'll, like I'll, the number you know, of people it who used use to, it? It used to be like that. Yeah. that for people to scale, before you'd have people coming around being interested, you had to reach that 30 million mark or that 20 million mark. And what's interesting now in the natural category or the wellness category, there's so much interest in it because it's so frothy that you see brands from 10 million up, you know, be, being looked at. So, you know, I, I will share with you that we're, you know, north of 15 and, and growing. That's amazing. Yeah. What are your goals for the future? Ah, world domination. <laughs> uh, what are our goals? Um, are you thinking about expanding outside of the United States? We are. We're looking right now at EU distribution and going through that registration process right now. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, am very passionate about wellness education and for me there's no greater moment in the day than when I can go downstairs to our Chelsea Healing Arts Center and interact with customers and get involved with demonstrations or events down there. And I would love to expand that footprint and open more of our Healing Arts Center. Not a lot. I, I don't want to be, you know, a national chain, but it would be nice to see uh, the Healing Arts Centers in other markets. What are some beauty myths that drive you crazy? Like things over, that things over that, cleansing the yeah. skin, you know, is a big one. Um, what are some other beauty myths that drive me crazy? Um, I don't know. Oh, the idea of uh, balance. You know, you hear that in the wellness industry talked about a lot, you know, these images of models out in the desert, you know, meditating. And yeah. whenever I see this in magazines, it really drives me crazy because I think it, it sets us up to fail, right? You know, many people are working 50, 60 hours a week. They're holding down two jobs that so they've got families and this idea that everything is in balance. Like, who, who are we kidding? So I, I have this idea that it's much more about adaption. It's like a muscle that we need to build. The more we can adapt and stay resilient to stress, the healthier we'll be. Yeah, so 
you don't necessarily have to have it all, even with your skin. Exactly. And, and another one is detox. I mean, I hate that word. It's so ridiculous. Like, what, you know, our bodies are filled with things that we need to detox. No, I don't think it works that way. Um, do, any beauty secrets of, uh, of your own apart from skincare, like things that have kept you feeling and looking great? Sleep. I love right? sleep. Sleep is the best. It's sleep, and it's, I'm a late adopter to sleep, but I'm, I'm, I'm loving it so yeah. far. Well, I said when we get older, that's the one thing. Like, I'm so thrilled. Last time I got into bed at 9 o'clock, and I'm just like, you know, so excited. It's, it's you know, too funny. But your body needs to needs that, right? It needs to repair. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the best beauty secrets that could be out there. And also herbs. I mean, I am an herbalist, so I think that um, herbs have a, a tremendous ability to upregulate our cells and to create changes in the body. So m my motto is drink something wild every day, whether that's an herbal tea or, you know, a kombucha or, you know, some way that you can get more of those phytochemicals into the body because I think they really have a healthy response. What's your strategy in terms of getting your brand into the world? Um, are you guys focusing on a certain type of direction from a branding and marketing standpoint, or are you um, like kind of what what how how does Naturopathica go to the next level? Well, we're an interesting brand because we're more than just skincare. As a holistic skincare brand, we also have ingestibles. We have a, a whole line of tinctures and herbal teas and infused honeys. So, um, as well as topical products like an arnica gel or a sweet birch muscle rub, those types of things. So, that creates a lot of different touch points for the brand. Um, you know, sometimes people come into our center because they have a stiff neck and they can't turn it, and other times people come in because they're having a rosacea flare up. So, that makes product development really juicy because, you know, we're looking at what's happening in the ingestible market and of course, you know, the flavor of the month is CBD. CBD, I was just going to ask you that. So, I was I just was... in Colorado last week. And what do you think about CBD? I was just talking to, I just had Jane Larkworthy on my podcast who I love and she's so awesome and um, she's a huge CBD fan and yes. um, spent some time she talking says to me about it. She says it's changed her life. Yeah. So what do you think about CBD? Well, I think it's, you know, listen, there are many herbs that affect the endocannabinoid system. And, you know, CBD is one of them, but other herbs like kava root or black pepper also interface with that system. So, you know, there are many herbs that can have an effect on our body in terms of anxiety reduction or helping with pain relief. And I think, you know, the fact that we're focused on CBD, if that's gonna be the bell ringer, that's great. Um, I think it's I think it's very exciting that we're starting to see more openness to other forms of healing, and I think CBD is quite powerful. How do you respond to critics who say that you know none of this stuff is proven and that there's really no basis for it? Because just for, like from my standpoint, a lot of plastic surgery patients will talk to me about arnica and bromelain, and mm -hmm. what I tell them is they won't harm you. About half of patients feel that they'll improve your bruising and recovery process, right. but we don't have any convincing um, scientific data that demonstrates in what I consider to be a rigorous manner that they have any effect. So, you know, how do you feel about critics who say that, fine, this is all great, but what is it anyway? What is, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I would say two things. The, the first is, I do think there's validity in traditional use. 
I think herbs that we've seen across different cultures identify an herb and come to similar conclusions about the efficacy of the herb, that's a pretty interesting coincidence. I think secondly, if I had the kind of funding that Big Pharma would give me to prove something about, you know, echinacea or about, you know, ginkgo and how it works, then, you know, I think we'd start to see more of these, but we're not seeing that kind of funding. It makes it, you know, to get any of those clinicals across the finish line, we're talking a lot of money. And so how, how that money comes into play and how, you know, certain, certain ingredients are evaluated, I think is process that I think is beginning to change. Do you have to be really careful about what you say and what you claim? Because, you know, oh, like we can't say that, like yeah. we don't have evidence that ginkgo improves mental clarity, so we can't really say that. Right. It's just something that people right. say to each other. Right. But I think people can do their own research, you know. I, you know, I guess you can look at that two ways with the yeah. internet because there's a lot of snake oil misinformation on the internet too. Yeah. But it's not hard to, to read, to learn how to use PubMed. Right? And to, yeah, it's to just like, look up and look it's like Google for science. Exactly. PubMed.com. And you know what? It just takes time. If you get to a word that you don't understand, Google that word and you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, I, I do think that we don't want to create a situation where human beings are the wet lab of life and we're sort of like testing out ginkgo on each other because, you know, a bunch of people said it colloquially. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, before we discovered acetaminophen, which later became Tylenol, we just all we had was a bunch of civilizations chewing tree bark to yes. make their headaches go away. Which also, by the way, acetaminophen is actually an endocannabinoid. It actually has the same effect as CBD. Did you know that? Yeah. Not only is a natural pain reliever, but also as a mood enhancer. That's kind of interesting. So it's kind of just an interesting philosophical point that science is really just what you know at a given moment in time. It's not a you know. A lifelong proclamation of truth or falseness. It's it's just what we know and what we've been able to demonstrate in a How study. How appropriate for right now. Yes. I agree. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's interesting. Okay, so now, what do you think about plastic surgery? <laughs> I think, you know, there's, I, I embrace all different tools. You know, I, I think, you know, for some people in terms of doing injectables, that's, you know, hyaluronic acid can be a great thing to do. Um, I don't know enough about Botox, so I can't speak to it. And plastic surgery, I think, has really improved and become much more less invasive. And I think beauty is about the confidence that we feel in our own skin. And if somebody is, if that is helping them feel more confident and more alive in their own skin, then why not? Yeah, why not? I think that's interesting. I like this concept of beauty as confidence because, interestingly, yeah, and from my standpoint, a lot of times people assume that I'm pushing plastic surgery and you know from my perspective that couldn't be further from the truth. I, I actually don't think that people should have plastic surgery. I think that in an ideal world everyone would be comfortable in their own skin just exactly as they are but in the real world we all want to put our best foot forward and you right. know wear a t-shirt that makes us feel better or wear a spritz of perfume that makes us think of something pleasant yeah. or you know do little things to to be a little bit more confident. So I, I think that it's definitely a spectrum. Yeah, I, th I think in the beauty industry, we want to see things in black and white too. Yeah. And I'm a big lover of gray, you know. Like when it comes to natural, doesn't it be the purest to the pure? I mean, you know, 
It's great using an organic face oil, but by the time you're 40, I want a little more gunpowder in my skincare products, right? So we can use retinols, we can use AHAs and these other ingredients that create that, that catalyst in the skin. So I'm a big believer in drawing from all different sources and um, creating solutions from a variety of, of different perspectives. If you could only have one ingredient, what would it be? Ooh. You know, I am a big lover of calendula. I grow it in my art, my yard. I have a big uh, herbal apothecary at home and calendula is one of my primary herbs. It's got good clinicals in it behind it for calming down inflammation. It smells beautiful and it's really a wonderful, you know, wound healing herb. That's really interesting. Um, Great for anything from diaper rash to, you know, rosacea to inflamed skin. And what is your favorite scent? Is it also calendula or is it something different? Um, you know, I'm a big lover of vetiver. Do you know vetiver? It's that resinous, yeah. oh my god, it's so beautiful. It's a nice grounding herb. It almost has a scent profile similar to sandalwood. It has sort of a smoky, resinous scent to it. But I'm equally a lover of rose. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, what do you think the next uh, directions are in the industry of beauty? I know that for your company, you're trying to expand and sort of develop yeah. the online aspect of it more, but what about for the beauty industry as a whole? What are the next steps into where yeah. the or, so what, yeah, what what are the next sort of frontiers in the beauty industry from your standpoint? Well, I think you know, beauty is going to become more the inside out. I think with the rise of the slow food movement, people started paying attention more to what they're eating and the ingredients in it. Now they're looking into what they're putting on their skin. And I think, um, you know, this idea that we're just, the skin is an envelope and we're just treating it topically, I think there's going to be more interest even, you know, Sephora is looking and bringing in more ingestibles. So what are those going to be? Are we talking about herbal remedies? Are we talking about, you know, different mineral supplements? Um, are we talking about more education on nutrition, which is a huge part of our overall health? I think that's going to be, you know, the area where people are going to explore more. And I, I think that's a shift in general about people feeling empowered to, you know, they're, they're the best judge of, you know, their bodies. You know how you feel after you eat certain foods or after you get a good night's sleep, right? So really, you know, looking at, okay, what are all the things I can do if I have stress-reactive skin? You know, how does meditation and good sleep affect that? How does drinking lemon balm tea affect that? As well as the topical remedies as well. Very interesting. So what I like to ask everyone who's on my podcast um, kind of to close is if you can talk to us a little bit about two things. First of all, what beauty means to you? And second of all, what being a boss means to you? Because not only are you a wellness and beauty guru and expert who so many people look up to, but you're also an entrepreneur and you know the self-made CEO of a really big company that's affecting a lot of people's lives. So tell us, our, our today's beauty boss, Barbara Close. What does being what does being a boss mean to you, and what is being what does beauty mean? What does beauty mean? All right, I'll, I'll start with beauty. I mean, beauty to me is rooted in wellness as a holistic practitioner, 
And, you know, beauty and wellness is having all the energy, creativity, and inspiration to follow your passions, to do what you want to do. And so, seen through that lens, it's, it's a process of personal transformation as you realize what all the different levers you can pull then to maximize the tools to be able to accomplish what it is you want to do, whether that's nutrition or exercise or all those different things. Uh, as an entrepreneur, what, what, is, what was the question again? What, is what, it, what, what does it mean to you, to, like, you know, to, to be an entrepreneur or to be a boss? Yeah. It's a wonderful privilege to be a boss of a beauty company and a wellness company. Um, to me, it's extremely humbling when I go into one of our healing arts center or just today, I had something that came in from our customer service department and a woman was praising the our Arnica gel and how much it had helped improve a condition that she was experiencing. And when you can, um, you know, have an impact on somebody's life like that, it's an incredible privilege. It's amazing, right? Yeah, it really is. And and to me, to use that for a platform of educating people about wellness and how they have more control over the simple rituals and remedies that they can do to bring more wellness not only to themselves and others, that healing force to me is so intoxicating and so powerful. Well, that's amazing. I feel like I could talk to you all day. You're so interesting. I so and you're enjoyed so, this. I feel like you're so passionate about this space. It really comes across in speaking to you. And Thank I'm you. I'm so happy that you were here. Thank you. Um, this was so fun chatting with you. I know. We'll have to well, do it again. Yeah, we will have to do it again. And I won't make you stay here all night. But, um, <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. And where can everyone find you and your awesome products and wellness and centers and everything? Well, our Healing Arts Center, uh, our Chelsea Healing Arts Center is on 26th Street between 6th and 7th. And our East Hampton Healing Arts Center is in East Hampton. Um, you can also find us at 400 plus spas around North America and you can find us on our website and you can also visit us at naturopathica.com. Amazing. All right. Thank well, you so we'll be much. sure to check it out. Thank you for being here.